0: Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Proverbs 29 and 18, very, very familiar passage of Scripture that we want to use today for our New Year Sunday. And we always make our New Year Sunday our Vision Sunday. And this is when we cast vision for the year. This is when we remind everybody of the heartbeat of the River Worship Center and what we believe we are called to and what we are about. And uh, it's going to be an encouraging message today. You're going to leave here filled with faith and filled with fire, and we're not just doing this cookie cutter. You know, we could almost pull out one of the New Year's sermons from the past, and it would be good, a good message and an encouraging message. How many of you saw my Facebook Live the other day, a Friday? I think that I did that. Anyway, God was just moving on my heart. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Lord began to deal with me and speak to me, And uh, I believe there's going to be a real impartation of fire today. I think that there's going to be a real stirring. I think there's going to be some real deliverance and some chains broken. I think you're going to leave here with a new perspective, and I'm excited about it. Proverbs 29 and 18, and the Scripture says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Perish. But he that keepeth the law, and this law is not real formal. It's not capital L like the Ten Commandments. This just means uh, the, the ways of God. This just means the uh, walking in agreement with the word. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for everybody that's here and for everybody that's watching. Lord, I believe that you gave me this message for your people. Help me to preach that which you want for us today. Help me to yield to your Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh and help me to cooperate with you, to flow with you, and to deliver your heart to the heart of your people Take over and say what you want to say. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Where there is no vision, where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. Can we just say that together? Where there is no vision, the people perish. You sound so good, let's say it again. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, last week, we read where the prophet, I think it was Hosea, the Lord told him, Write the vision on tablets and make it plain so that he who reads it may run with it. And the thought was that if there is a call or there is a plan or there is a job to do, if it is not laid out for people to see, how could they run with it? How could you do that which you don't know to do? How could you follow that which has not been explained to you? If you have been in the military, they surely would not just say, we're going to drop you here in this forest. Do your best. Bye. They would probably give you a game plan. Come on. If you've ever played on any sports teams... The coach doesn't just throw you a ball and say, Get out there and run around, make something happen. But ahead of time, he opens up the playbook and he says, Here's where their strengths are, here's where their weaknesses are, and here's where we're gonna be on this field or on this court. This is what we're gonna do. And you would write out the vision of what's supposed to happen, and you would make it plain. So he told them, he said, write the vision and make it plain so that the person that reads it may be able to run with it. That makes sense, right? And today we read where there is no vision, where there is no game book, where there's not a plan, where there's not a strategy, where there's not an explanation, people perish. People perish without vision. And I've always said it this way if you are not going somewhere, you will not go anywhere. If I don't have anywhere that I'm trying to get, if I don't know anywhere that I'm supposed to be, I'll just sit still. I won't move if I don't have direction. I won't move if I don't have reason. I won't travel if I don't have destination. Come on, somebody. Help me today. If you're not going somewhere, you won't go anywhere. You must have a destination in your life. You must have a goal. The Apostle Paul said it like this. Philippians 3.14. I press on toward the goal. He did not say, I press on toward the unknown. He didn't say, I press on just because. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize. Paul went through a lot of hard stuff, more than most of us have gone through. More difficult, scarier than what many of us have gone through. But he said, I was able to press on. Because of the prize. I press on toward the goal for the prize. What prize? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is what he pressed toward. And this is why he could press toward. Later he said in his letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 9.24, do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So they so run that you may obtain it. You're running with a reason. You're not running without a reason. Everything we do is for a reason. We're not sitting in church just because it's a nice social thing to do. And these days, nobody cares about that. When I was a kid, people did go to church because it was a nice social thing to do. Now it doesn't really even matter for society. But he says, run that you may obtain it. We have a reason. We're not just sitting here just to punch a time clock, hopefully. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. He says, we are running a race Toward a spiritual goal, a spiritual prize, not temporal, but eternal, of eternal value. He said, so I do not run aimlessly. I don't run without an aim. When there's a target, if you had a bow and arrow, you would draw back and you would watch and you would, you would hone in on the bullseye. You wouldn't just pull back and shoot, unless you're like some of our guys at man camp. (laughs) Just pull back, and you don't know where it's going. You know, they tell you not to stand in front of them. You probably don't want to stand behind some of them. He says, so I do not run without an aim. Paul says, I never run without an aim. I never move forward without a goal. I never do anything without the prize in mind. I do not box as one beating the air. Paul says, I'm not a shadow boxer. Everything I do, I do with purpose. I do with an end goal. Everything is the, uh, the means to an end. I do it with what is out ahead. Then he says, not he, but the writer of Hebrews says this. Hebrews 12 and 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, if by the way, if you want to know who the great cloud of witnesses is, all you got to do is read Hebrews chapter eleven, and it's a list of the heroes the not the heroes, <laughs> the Hebrews and Hebrews. It is the list of the heroes of our faith, and it's all these great men and women of God who have done great things, great exploits in His name, brought Him glory, obeyed through hard times. And that is who the writer is referring to as the cloud of witnesses, because there is such a cloud of others who have witnessed this, because there are these others, that is our encouragement. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, let us do what they did. We lay aside every weight. These are precious, selfish things that we would like to hang on to. These are comforts that we would like to hang on to. These are doing it our way. These are doing whatever we want, whatever makes us happy, whatever seems most logical. He said, we lay those aside and we lay aside the sin which clings so closely. Here it is. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It is amazing. So many times, over and over and over again, in the Word of God, these that, that God inspired to write these words everything's about running a race. Everything's about fighting a fight. Everything is about a goal. Everything's about a finish line. Everything is about a target. Everything is about a mark. Everything is about pressing forward with a bigger plan in mind. You know, Paul lived everything in his life by looking to the end of his life. Some people don't like to think about the end of their life. Some people don't like to think about their death. Some people don't like to think about the fact that we don't have a whole lot of time here. They like to live oblivious to it. They like to put that out of their mind. But I think it would be a great thing if all human beings lived very aware of their own death. If we lived presently conscious of the fact that we're not going to be here forever, that it is appointed to man once to die, that it is, God already knows. He can see the calendar however many years ahead, or maybe tomorrow. And he knows there is a time when we're going to check out. And it would be great if we could live our life through the lens of the fact that we only have so much time here in making it count. Paul lived everything in his life by looking to the end of his life. The apostles, when they received the word of God from Jesus, they begin to live that last little bit of their lives by looking to the end. Jesus lived his entire life by looking to the very end of his life. It's what motivated him. It's what he used as a reason to push through everything else. Jesus knew that the end was coming. Jesus knew what that end would be. And how many times did Jesus say, how long do I have to suffer with you? How how long do I have to put up with you? But he kept doing it. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, and sometimes I don't know which is better. He said, but for your sake, I'll keep on living. Paul said, because of the people I'm supposed to reach, because of the mark that I'm supposed to leave on the earth, it's worth it to live this life and to live it the right way. I live this life now by looking at the goal. I live this life now by looking at the prize. I live it by looking at the end. People who are not aware of the end, they just walk around in circles and they're alive, but they're not living. They're breathing, but they're not accomplishing anything. They're alive in the flesh, but they're not doing anything in the spirit. They're stocking up treasures on heaven, but they're not doing anything for kingdom's sake. They're accomplishing all kinds of temporal achievements, but they're not doing anything of eternal value. We have to have a reason or we won't do it. If you don't have a reason, you won't keep moving. If you don't have a reason, you won't keep moving. If you don't know that there's more, you will stop where you are. If a person doesn't realize that there's more than where we are now, they will stop where they are now, and they will live aimlessly. They will live without a point. They will live without a purpose. If you don't know that there's more, you'll stop here. Without vision, are you catching it? Without vision, the people perish. You know, this is a very practical principle that anyone could understand. Even outside of spiritual matters, it just makes logical sense that without a goal, you don't go anywhere. Without a destination, you don't move. However, for the believer, for you and for me, For those that have been born again, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. When I accepted Jesus, my citizenship changed. I'm no longer a child of earth. I'm a child of heaven. I'm here right now, but I'm here on kingdom business. I'm a delegate. I'm a diplomat. I'm an ambassador. Come on. I, I, I live on the earth, but I'm a kingdom citizen. I'm, my citizenship is in heaven. So for the believer, this is much more than just a life principle. You know, you could go to a great motivational talk with, you know, Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar. Or, I mean, name your Name your favorite. And they could talk about having life goals that you're moving toward. And that would be great. It's a principle that exists. But for the believer, it's much, it's much more. That feeling that we feel when we talk about setting goals, whether it's business goals or friendship goals or relationship, whatever, whatever the case is, we, we have this principle that we understand about, you know, what's your one-year plan and your five-year plan and your ten-year. We get that. It resonates with us. It rings true inside of us. But for us as believers, it's so much more because we realize that this built-in understanding of the whole goal thing, we realize that this drive is just that, built-in by design, by the designer. It is God-given. It is planted inside of every human being because of the real big picture, God's big picture, the real reason behind everything, the purpose of God the creator in the earth. And what is that big picture? What is that purpose? It is for God to have all of his creation, all of humanity, in perfect fellowship with him. That's the goal. That is the purpose. That is the heart of God, that all of humanity would be grafted into union with Christ, that we would all be wrapped up, tangled up, tied up in Jesus, walking with him hand in hand, step in step, and heartbeat in heartbeat, that his desires would be our desires, that his love would be our love, that his hate would be our hate, that we would love what he loves, detest what he detests, and that we would walk in perfect fellowship with the one that made us for his glory. Salvation is not the main purpose Salvation is a means unto the original purpose. Think about it. If sin had never come, if man had never fallen, God still had a plan and a purpose for humanity. Do you hear me this morning? I think a bomb just went off inside of somebody. It was his relationship in and through humanity and for humanity to subdue the earth and to do something great with it for his glory. Sin came and messed it up, and then he introduced a plan of salvation only to restore the original purpose. The original purpose is not salvation. Salvation is for getting back to the original purpose, which is God with his people in fellowship, and in love. Without vision of that, people walk around perishing. When people do not understand who God is, when people do not understand the love God has for humanity, when people do not know the heart of God in and for people, and for this earth, they walk around perishing. They live in death, and then they die in death. Without vision, the people perish. And that's not what God wants. Second Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient. Let's look at the heart of God. God is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So God has offered his son Jesus that whosoever believeth in him, come on, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I didn't put the scripture reference. That's John 3, 16, if anybody needed it. He has offered his son. Without vision of this truth, people are perishing all around us. We are seeing them in this very condition of demise. Go out and walk down the street. Talk to a few people. Walk through a few alleys. Get out and see people. And you see people perishing. You see them living In this, and many will perish eternally. Without vision, the people perish. Now, we could read this same verse even more basic still. We could make it even even baser than what it is. And it is simply this. If people can't see vision, if people can't see, they lose their way. Drop someone off blindfolded in the middle of the forest in the night with earplugs and tell them to find their way out. Well, you have to take the earplug out to tell them and then put it back in. Or else they won't even have vision to find their way out and they'll perish. If people can't see, they can't find their way. If you don't have vision, you can't find your way. You perish. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen from the English Standard Version. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Prophetic vision. Now, a lot of times when we see the word prophecy, we instantly t- think about foretelling the future. We instantly think prophecy means future. Sometimes it does, it can, but that's not really what the word prophecy means. You know, the gift and calling of the prophet, when we read the fivefold ministry in the New Testament, the prophet is not a foreteller, he is a fourth teller he forth tells the word of god and he tells it in a sense of warning that's the unique thing about the preacher which falls under the office of prophet the prophet preaches the same gospel that the apostle preaches he preaches the same gospel that the evangelist and the pastor and the preacher teaches But where the apostle brings fresh revelation in the word of God and the evangelist brings the gospel to the lost and the pastor breaks down the word of God to the flock and so does the teacher, the prophet preaches the word of God with a sense of urgency and with warning, whether it's about the future or not. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. When you come here every week, I am supposed to be delivering that which takes the blindfold off. I am supposed to be pulling back the curtain and giving the word of God that all of us can see. I am supposed to be teaching what thus saith the Lord that it turns the light on in the midst of this very dark world that we live in. Because he said, I send you out like sheep. Amongst wolves, I send you out into the darkness, but you are the children of light, the children of the light. The word of God is supposed to be preached, and we are supposed to get to the preached word of God. We are supposed to be under the preached truth. We are supposed to read the truth. We are supposed to study the truth. We are supposed to position ourselves for prophetic vision simply that we have eyesight we are supposed to have spiritual eyesight and where there is no prophetic eyesight where when i walk around in my life and i cannot see spiritually just keep going around in the same forest can't see it for the trees I keep wandering around, come on, in the wilderness. I'm never in the promised land. They had no vision. Moses was trying to cast vision, but they were too busy complaining. And so they didn't get to the promised land. They needed prophetic vision. They needed to agree with the word of God instead of what they were feeling. They needed to agree with what God was saying instead of the natural predicament. They needed to believe that truth supersedes fact. When God says something, and I believe it, it manifests. I walk in what is true because it's greater than my natural circumstance. I may may say, I don't know how I can possibly make it through this situation. I don't have what I need to make it through. But he shows up and says, with men it may be impossible, but with God all things are possible, and I'm Jehovah Jireh. Happy days are here again. Come on. So I believe the word of God. They couldn't believe the word of God. So they just kept circling the mountain in their own human logic. Where there is no vision, the people perish, and they cast off restraint. When I can't see according to what God says, I cast off the restraint of walking according to God's plan, and I start doing what I think looks good. Is this helping anybody today? When I don't have prophetic vision. This is also why it's so important what leadership we sit under. This is why it matters where you go to church. This is why it matters what you listen to and what you let into your ears. This is why it matters what kind of music you listen to. I should say what kind of lyrics. This is why it matters what you fill your mind and your eyes and your ears with at home because you tend toward what you keep in front of you. You look like what you look at. You model yourself after whatever you fill yourself with. Thoughts precede actions. Whatever your mind is full of will come down and operate through your body. It is so important that we are positioning ourselves under the right word. It is so important that we're hearing God's word and not man's word. It's so important that we're listening to the gospel and not to opinion. Amen. Matthew 15, 14. Jesus is talking about religious leaders who are out for their own personal, I don't want to just say gain, uh, their own motive. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were living in that day, they didn't really have the kingdom of God in mind. They knew all the scriptures. They knew all the laws, and they were presenting them. But they were twisting them. Somebody could have said, well, it's Bible. Yeah, there's a lot of people using the Bible. Using, using the Bible. And Jesus here, Matthew 15, he's talking about religious leaders misusing the word. And he said this, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. If you have people that need vision and they position themselves under somebody that is not giving people vision, everybody falls in the trap. Everybody falls in the pit. Everybody falls in the ditch. This text, without vision, the people perish, quite literally means without revelation of the word of God. Let's read it in the Amplified. Proverbs 29, 18 in the Amplified. Where there is no vision, and then Kenneth Wiest, the great theologian, he puts there in brackets. If it's it, When you read the Amplified Bible, if it's in parentheses, nice curvy parentheses, then it is something from, it is, an, it is expounding on the original Greek, something that it maybe should have been present that wasn't there. If it's in brackets, it is Kenneth Wiest offering commentary based on study. All right? That's important to know. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained but happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God or who agrees with the word of God, who agrees with the word of God. To be able to see clearly, to be able to see the plan, that inspires people and it gives them motivation and it gives them strength. There are a lot of people who would love to do great things for God. There are a lot of people who would be willing to obey God, but they haven't positioned themselves under the word of God. Human motivation cannot accomplish kingdom purpose. Human willpower runs out really fast. You don't have enough steam to do things which require the anointing. And there's a big difference. And there are a lot of people trying to do great things for God. They have a love for God. But there are a lot of people trying to do great things for God in human power. You might hold a few events. You might organize a few programs. And and if you give some Bible verses, somebody might hear them and get saved. But you're going to run out really, really fast. Because you need to be walking in the channel that God has ordained for you to walk. You need to, under, you need to understand what God is saying in this hour. And only revelation in God's Word. Listen, Hebrews says that only the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword and can divide between soul and spirit. We need that which can divide between soul and spirit. Because soul and spirit sound very similar to each other inside of our head. And if we are not sitting under the Word of God, we will become convinced that something is the Spirit when really it was our soul. And we will be wrong. Soul is strong. And the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like you. So you better be walking in the Word so closely that you can pull out that sword and say, wait a minute, I'm hearing something that I think might be God, but I need to divide between soul and spirit and say, whoa, that was not the Holy Spirit. That was me. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Come on, somebody. Where are we at? Revelation in the Word of God. Oh, To be able to see clearly and to see the plan is what inspires and gives motivation and gives strength. When we can see spiritually, when we are walking in agreement with the Word of God, we find the strength to do that which we could not do on our own. A lot of people have ended their very lives because they did not have the right information. You know, a lot of people have taken their own lives based on lies that if they they could have stuck around another 24 hours, they would have found out that the thing they were checking out over wasn't even true. And there are a lot of people, maybe they are not taking their life, but really giving up their life because they don't have the right information. There are a lot of people that are completely giving up. They just don't have enough to keep pushing because life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is health uh, is heavy. And they say, what's the point? It's amazing how you can take somebody with all those same problems But they keep going because they see a point. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? You can take somebody with all the same weight, and they say, yeah, you're right, it is heavy. But there's something more. Yes, this is hard, but I'm headed somewhere. This may be a bad day, but this is not my last day. This may be my present condition, but it's not the end result. It's amazing what I can go through if I can see the purpose in it. I can make it through a lot if I can see the purpose. If I can see that there's something in it, I can do the work if I know it's worth it. Come on, somebody ought to be coming alive right now. I can bear the pain if I know there's a payoff. Seeing the prize empowers the people. When you can see the prize, it empowers the people. See, when you want what you see up ahead, nobody has to tell you to go after it. When you see that there's something up there that you want, I don't have to convince you. You're going to take off because vision empowers the people. Where there's no vision, the people perish. But happy is he who walks in the word. Happy is he that knows that the end is more important than the beginning. Happy is he that knows there's another day coming. So every vision comes with a mission. I think that's in your fill in the blanks. I got a whole bunch of them together. Every vision, every time you can see, boom, you got a mission. When there's a revelation, suddenly you have a job to do. When the veil is pulled back, all of a sudden you have purpose. You have inspiration and motivation and strength to move forward. Every vision comes with a mission. When a person has a revelation of something, they set out with a fire inside of them. An inescapable obligation to make that thing known. When you learn something that you think is amazing and important, I don't have to tell you to teach it. When you discover the best new restaurant in town, they don't have to tell you to talk about it. You're telling everybody you know automatically. You've been over here. What'd you get? I got this. Did you try? Oh, yeah, I had it. Did you get this? When you discover something that you think is great and that brings pleasure and satisfaction, you begin to herald that thing automatically. You begin to talk about it. You begin to proclaim it. You become a preacher of that thing. You become an evangelist automatically for that restaurant or whatever the thing is. When there's vision, there's a mission, and you set out with a fire to make that thing known. This is why... Whenever God gives us revelation of who He is, all of our little missions suddenly become submissions to the Great Commission. Come, that's a good place to shout. Go ahead. You want me to say it again? All of our little missions become submissions of the Great Commission. We hear that word all the time, submit. You got to submit. We need to walk in submission. This is what that word submit means. To submit. It means I put my mission under your mission. Submission. Submission. A submarine goes under the water. And a submission goes down below the mission of the one we're submitting to. When we say, Oh, yeah, I walk in submission to the Lord. Oh, you put all of your missions down below His? We like to say, I obey the Lord. I honor, I submit to Him. You do? Now that you know what it means, do you? You're a person that submits you take everything that you were trying to do and you put it on hold to put His thing first? When you say, I'm submissive to the Lord, what you're saying is, in my life, I prioritize what God wants and I put His stuff first and mine later and then use mine for His. Submission. Submission. We are supposed to submit to the Great Commission. And what is the Great Commission? Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to every creature of the human race. That's God's mission. That's his great commandment. Now, God gives many of us unique missions, Specific missions, focused missions, to be the submissions of his great mission. Meg, you have an incredible submission that you're using as part of the mission. Kayla, you have realized a teaching submission that you have under the Great Commission. And everybody here has something. Here's the motto at the River Worship Center. Here's the River Worship Center's submission. This is our mission under the mission. We give real hope, come on, for real life. That's our church motto. We're not trying just to tickle people's ears. We're not trying just to make them laugh a little bit on Sunday. We're not trying just to fill space and time. Did you pretend to tickle her ears? I saw you. I'm going to tell Levi when he wasn't here, you were tickling her ears. Our goal is that while you are here in this building or while you are watching online at home or wherever you are, our goal is that we give you actual equipment, that we give you actual tools from the Word of God, that while you're sitting here with the different aspects of your life on your mind, as you're listening, you say, Oh. I know what to do I know what to do about this parenting situation I know what to do about this marriage problem I know what to do about this money situation it is that you leave here inspired encouraged strengthened and with information wisdom life wisdom we give real hope for the real life stuff that's our submission so we submit that to him We submit that to Him. Now, our mission statement is this. Declare, build, inspire. That's how we bring real hope for real life. We declare, build, and inspire. What do we declare? We declare the gospel and everything in it. We build relationships and family in this look like I was shooting something on the ground (laughs) can you do that oh la la would you do me that way she's playing rose over here telling me to stop can everybody just do this (laughs) now at the river you know that this means declare and build But you need this one, too. And so I'm not to that yet. And then when you add this... Inspire. We declare the gospel, we build relationship to inspire our community. We want the declaration in the building of relationships to inspire. We want it to shine like a light that people can say something different's happening over there. We're hearing something real when we listen to that church, and we're experiencing friendships and family that are producing something in real everyday life. And it comes from the word. I did it. Boom. (laughs) Almost killed Justin. (laughs) Real hope for real life. We declare, build, and inspire. That is our mission. It is our vision. It is our hope. It is our goal and purpose. It is our race. It is our fight. And that is why we serve it with blood, sweat, and tears. While multiple thousands of churches are continually closing their doors, it is why this little independent church with no denominational backing No organizational affiliation is getting ready to celebrate 20 years of ministry in May. That's rare. It's rare for people to stay married, and it's rare for churches to stay open, especially ones that don't have backing. But I've got backing. We have backing. And it's this word. It's this word and it's a calling. It's a calling. So we're still here. We serve it when it's easy. And we serve it when it's very hard. But one thing we don't do is stop. We never stop. We sacrifice our feelings. We hold to principle. We surrender our emotions, and we cling tighter to the cross. Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Now listen, I think this is one of the coolest lines in all of Scripture. But I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. I take hold of that which took hold of me. You see, nobody went looking for God. Well, I was looking for God. No, you weren't. Nobody was looking for God. He was looking for you. He called your name or else you wouldn't have turned to look for him. If you are looking for God, it's because he's already working on your heart. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. He came looking for you. He drew you. He moved on you first. And Paul says, and now I'm living my life to take hold of that which took hold of me. You remember the old song, Jesus came into my heart and he won't let me go? Six (laughs) Six years old and I can't get past it. I got saved when I was six years old and I cannot get past it. Cannot get past it. Four more years. I've been saved 40 years. And I can't get over it. I get excited about it. Every time I think about it. Everybody I tell. And I feel it all over again. He got a hold of me. Jesus grabbed hold of me. And now I'm spending my whole life trying to grab hold of that which grabbed hold of me and tell everybody through ups and downs through good times and bad over mountaintops and through darkest valleys we fight the good fight we run the race we forget those things which are behind we press forward keeping our eye on the prize to know him and his resurrection power to know Christ and to make him known. To live and to love according to his word and not according to this world. We are not a museum for the saints. But we're a hospital for the hurting. And a school for soldiers of the most high. We are a lighthouse and a beacon of hope. We are a pool of water in a desert place. We are the light bearers. The torchbearers. We are the watchmen on the wall. We are the keepers of truth and stewards of the mystery. We are ambassadors of Christ, the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are kings and priests in this kingdom, a peculiar people and a chosen nation. We are the children and the servants of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are here as pilgrims. Come on, somebody, passing through. We are strangers in a foreign land, and we have a job to do and not a lot of time to do it. We will not give up, back up or shut up. We will not be silenced. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord and like good soldiers we will endure hardship and affliction and we will proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus, the one true God until we die in him or he comes to get us. Happy Vision Sunday. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.